have, let's say, services, you can't go to site because of COVID restrictions. You may have your particular assets on site in jeopardy. How do you overcome that in a COVID situation where there may be restrictions to access to the site? More and more of the assets on that site are becoming connected and remotely analyzed. So the skill sets needed to carry out your services activity are changing. Hello and welcome to the Switched On podcast brought to you by Domain Electrical, chatting to leaders in the electrical field, finding out how they got there and what they think may be next for the industry. We'll also be chatting with manufacturers and suppliers from around Europe about which products are going to make our lives and jobs easier this year. Coming up, Mark Kyo from Snyder Electric Ireland. But first, let's say hello to Paul Fitzsimons, who literally has gone from the ground floor in Domain to co-owning the company with Dave Williamson and Chris McKenna. Paul, is it a, is, dare I ask, is it a scary number how long you've been with Domain Electrical? It pretty much is, yeah. It would be, <laughs> be seen. I think I joined in the mid-80s, so what's that, 90s, 2000s, 30-odd years. That's too big a um, number, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a long time ago. When you got in uh, with the company, what, was it a big company at that stage or was it a, a kind of a young growing company? I was quite young. I think it was formed in 19, I don't think I know, it was formed in 1977 by Noel McLaughlin, along with his brother Cyril McLaughlin. Um, I joined in the mid 80s, so it would have been probably less than 10 years old or maybe around 10 years old at that stage. Probably staff number wise, going to guess and say maybe eight to 10 people. Oh, wow. All right. So it was quite small. And yeah, what role yeah. were you? What, what role were you playing in the company? Well, I started in the stores. So, I mean, I was in the stores for probably two to three years. And then I progressed from there to the trade counter. I suppose that took another two years on a trade counter. I did it to the office for maybe three or four years. Then um, I looked for the opportunity to go out on the road. And I guess the rest is history then, because I went from the road probably for 10 years, I'd say, to eventually becoming part of an MBO within the company. So what kind of a gig was this when, when you joined in the mid-80s? Were you just looking for a job, any job? Just looking for a job, any job. And at that stage in those days, a job was a job and you did what you're asked to do and that was it, you know? I remember. And then what made you stay? Um, I don't know, really. Um, I think the fact that it was just a job. And uh, in those days, there wasn't too many choices of different jobs. So when you got a job, you grabbed it and you seized any opportunity within that job to progress. And... Uh, Noel was quite flexible in those days because in those days there was no such thing as this is my job or that's his job or that's their job. Everybody just mucked in and did everything. So when I saw opportunities, for example, <clears throat> when I was in the stores, I started to help out on the trade counter and I figured, well, if I do the trade counter, that's a step up. And then when I was in the trade counter, I could see the office in my eye view. And I thought, well, if I can do well here, I might get into the office. And then as I get into the office, I started dealing with some of the, uh, the larger accounts, and I think we had two reps on the road at that stage, maybe one, sorry. And I figured, you know what, even though I can't drive and I don't have a driving license, maybe I could ask for it that someday. So that's when I first approached him. I would lock and ask him to go out on the road, and he said to me, well, can you drive? I said, no. He said, have you got a license? I said, no. And he said, well, go off and get them and then come back to me. So I think six months later, I came back with a license, and uh, he gave me the start I wanted then, you know. And, and that was it. You, you're just kind of, you're, you're a go-getter. So, like, you saw the opportunity to get the, get in on the, on, on the floor. Uh, then you saw an opportunity to work at the sales counter. And you just, you see opportunities and you grab them. Is that the type you are? Exactly it, yeah. And in those days, it was easier because, I'm not saying easier, because you didn't have to have major experience in our industry to grow within domain because Noel just kept training you, training you, training you. So it was product trading all the time. 
There was training courses that he put me on as well. So it was good opportunities within the company, even at that stage, I'd like to think, you know. And Noel and Cyril, who were the original owners, were, were they quite good with all of their staff like that? Well, Noel had a unique way of um, of dealing with people. Like he was he was very good on a one-to-one, but there's times he'd walk past you and ignore you. Now, not, not in a bad way, but he just had his own world going on, really. But he was uh, he was unique. That's the only word I can use. He was unique, you know. But certainly you could go for a beer with him at the end of the day. There was no problem there, you know. And when he saw, you know, kind of this cocky young kid coming in, you know, I want to do this and I want to do that. And he gave you the leg up that you, you wanted. Is is this something that you have brought forward then? Yeah, well, there's been a few people that have progressed through the company as well. Probably three or four people that have progressed in domain over the years as well. Maybe not to getting out the role. One guy in particular did all right. But um, the best talent, I think, in any company is homegrown. Because you can get people coming in with all the experience under their belt. But they don't know the business and it takes them a number of years to get to know the business. So. I think if we can find young talent within the main, um, whether it's today or in the future, we will try and bring them right through the business as long as they want to do that as well, you know. And what kind of stuff that clicks in your head when you see somebody, you go, ah, they're interesting or they've got potential? Positive person. Somebody who doesn't complain about absolutely everything. And if there's people like that, they don't, they don't succeed in most businesses anyway. Um, so people who want to progress, I know, I know it's, may be difficult for younger people nowadays to understand this, but like, you know, in the old days or in the 80s, you just did what you're asked to do. Whereas I just see so much uh, in life now where people would say, not necessarily in the main now, but in different businesses, well, I don't do that. That's not my job. That's his job. That's her job. You know, in, in the 80s, you just did what you're asked to do. I know I keep saying that. You just did stuff and you did it stuff on instinct as well, you know. And that, that was something that Noel allowed you to do as well. He allowed you to fail if that was going to happen. Yeah, I just think you seized the opportunity and went for it, you know. So tell me, the company was quite small when, when you joined. Would it be fair to say that when the company won a contract with uh, Schneider Electric, I mean, back then they were a telemechanic, uh, that, that that was a turning point? Yeah, well, that would have been just before I joined. I think Noel in those days was selling cable ties. That was the first product that Domain was founded on. In his own words, he told me the story that he visited the factory in Selbridge, tried to sell them cable ties and then said, by the way, what do you guys sell? And they started telling them what they did. And he said, do you have any distributors in Ireland? And they said, no. And he said, well, can I be your distributor in Ireland? And that's when it started. So he was the first, our domain, Norman Lockett was the first telemarketing distributor in Ireland. I guess at that stage, it would have been in the early to mid 80s. And that's that's how we found Schneider or telemarketing as it was known in those days. And did it grow then from there with uh, other European distributors? Yeah, I think quickly after that one uh, became Merlin Duran, which was another brand, which is now associated with Schneider. It's all under one flag. But from then on, um, Noel had some good contacts um, in Europe, particularly in Italy. And um, there's another guy I know who you're going to be interviewing at some stage, Errol Owen. He was quite important in that structure as well because he was a lead guy to negotiate. In those days, Italians didn't speak very good English and we certainly didn't speak Italian. So when it went to Maine as a company wanted to source franchises around Europe, Noel would have used Errol and other people too, but mostly Errol, not necessarily to negotiate, but to open the door. And explain a little bit about the maiden, who the company was and what we're trying to do in the Irish market. Because I guess back in the 80s and even in the 90s and, and further along, most of the products that came into Ireland would have come via the UK. So we spent, Noel spent, and we still spend today some time explaining to manufacturers that Ireland's a different country. Um, it's not part of the UK. Now, you and I both know that, but um, some of the larger manufacturers around Europe, around the world, would see Ireland and the UK as one market. And Ireland is a very small market. So up to and before Brexit, certainly, it was easier for some manufacturers to say, well, look, 
a UK distributor <coughs> looks after Ireland. That's rapidly changing now because Ireland is its own unique country as well, you know. Mm. A lot of people, when, when you're in business or when you think about business, you think about running your office or your operation and then you think about your customers and looking after them. It seems to be that the relationship with suppliers is very important to uh, Domain Electrical. How important would you say it is? Well, it is. I mean, many of the brands we have today, actually, I won't even name them because if I name some, I'd be unfair to the rest. But some of those relationships go back to the 80s and 90s as well. And some of the people are still there today. Some are retired, obviously. But the relationships we have with our suppliers is hugely important because without our suppliers, we'd no product to give our customers. And uh, there's a, you know, a small a small number of elite, if I want to use that word, of maybe 10 or 12 manufacturers who we would do the largest tour over with. And they're, they're really important. They're all important to us, but they're really important to us, the bigger ones. And we nurture that relationship by meeting them at least once or twice every year prior to COVID, obviously. And now it's all done by Microsoft Teams, but we have a very strong relationship with these guys and it's it's very important to us, really, yeah. So there's very much an understanding then on uh, on both sides with your suppliers. And you know, we, we would have had to sell ourselves, um, but as the years went on, again, I go back to somebody, uh, Errol Owen, that said to me, you don't need to oversell your company or your, or your business. You're the number one market leader in Ireland. Those guys should be representing a foothold in the Irish market and there's no better company than Domain. So... I'm not saying the shoes on the other foot nowadays, but certainly there's mutual respect from both sides. They work very hard, but also we work very hard with them, yeah. So everything's going great. You're getting on more and more suppliers. You're moving up and up the the company yourself. Eventually we get to 2008 and you're involved in a management buyout and it was successful. I'm glossing over that because I'm more interested in the fact that it was 2008, that you've just taken on this massive responsibility and then bam, the economy collapses. How was that? Yeah, well, we we started the process. It was led by Michael Devins, who was our former MD uh, in 2006. He began the process. Um, and then we eventually did it in 2008. But you're right. We all remortgaged our homes. We borrowed a lot of money through the business, still paying for it, but got the deal done in 2008. And then suddenly, within, I think, nine months, bang, the recession came. So we had no... Um, let's say, savings in the bank at that stage because it was all used up to, to acquire the business. So it was a, it was a big shock. Uh, I remember myself and Dave Williamson going to Hanover in Germany to a trade show, trying to explain the situation in Ireland because we were known as, as one of the four pigs. If anybody remembers the four pigs, it was P, Portugal, Ireland, Spain, and Greece. And uh, we, were the bo- yeah, we were the four basket cases. So we had to go around the event in Hanover to all of our existing suppliers explaining that this was a a financial bank crisis, uh, that the main was in good uh, health regardless. But yeah, it was worrying times because we spent, I'd say, a week explaining all that, maintaining our relationships, making sure that we had continuous supply and we had to manage the finances very, very strictly. We made very few reductions and I think we ended up within uh, two years of the recession really being in a more healthy position from a company point of view because we got rid of any fat that we had. We cut back on certain things that were deemed not necessary. And uh, yeah, I, I think we came out of it in a better position than we went into it for sure, you know. Do you think that it has made yourself and the other owners and the company itself stronger now? Well, absolutely. But I think most businesses, including Domain, you know, when the recession ended in probably 12 or 13, some of the stuff that people used to do, they went back to doing it. And I see it nowadays. Everything is needed and it's needed yesterday. And, and sometimes there's so little organization, so little planning. You know, the amount of panicking that goes on in this industry is is it's just it's ongoing, you know. 
so yeah, lessons were learned, but I, I can't put my finger on any one thing that you'd say was a big lesson, but hmm. every company who survived it learned lessons, put it that way, you know. How would you describe the uh, company today then? Well, the company today is in a very good position. We're now part of a, an elite group of companies as being a Deloitte Best Managed Company. We're now, I think, seven years running a Deloitte Best Managed Company. And the, uh, the last two years, we've grown to be a platinum award winner. Yeah, there's a small number of elite companies within that group. So we have to be tested every year. And the criteria is very strict. So we, we adhere to that. We've maintained the awards. But we also got voted in 2018 and 2019, the Electrical Industries Federation of Ireland Distributor of the Year. So that's voted by customers or generic customers in the industry. So to win that two years in a row back to back is no, is no mean feat. It didn't happen last year, obviously, because of COVID. So would we have won it three times in a row? I'm not sure, but we certainly won it in 18 and 19. So, yeah, we're, we're quite conscious about being at the leading edge, really, in terms of our systems and structures. Yeah. And getting there, I mean, it, it's, it's not just through your own work and it's not just through the excellent relationships you have with suppliers. I mean, you would be nowhere without your customers. What, what kind of people deal with um, Domain Electrical on a regular basis? Well, we're very lucky that we have customers right across the whole sector, but I would say our core business would be based around control panel manufacturers, system integrators, electrical wholesalers, right across all industries, really. And we deal with some of the very large OEM customers around the country as well, machine manufacturers. So um, we're not focused too heavily on one or two very large customers, but we have a good spread across all sectors, really. So, yeah, control and automation would be our, would be our key products, really. So tell me, why do these customers uh, interact with Domain? What do you think it is Domain has that's good from the customer point of view? From the board and director level, there's over 100 years experience. Probably mentioned earlier, we've got 40 years of market leading brands from industry leaders throughout Europe. We've got more than 50 staff now in three locations, and many of those staff are with the company for 10 years or more. We also have a very strong uh, management team, a small number of people who represent all areas of the business from logistics to finance to purchasing um, to sales and HR. So all of those people, um, I think six people, five or six people, uh, sit on the management team and make day-to-day decisions about the business. But it's with the mindset of having input from all departments, not just the sales-focused department. And looking ahead to the future, what are you kind of thinking now, once we get COVID out of the way, the next four or five years, what's, what's in your head? Well, back to visit customers again. That's the thing we're missing most. All of our external sales team really are remote at the moment. They're working from home. There's, you know, in the last 12 months, there's been very little activity in terms of face-to-face visits. And that's paramount in this business, I think, or at least in our business, because you can have all the teams meetings in the world. You can have all the phone calls in the world. And that's effective because it has to be effective in today's world. But we'd like to get back to visiting customers face-to-face and seeing what demand is out there for new products, talk to them about their needs, and then try and fill that with with the existing suppliers that we have. So listen, uh, one last question for you, Paul. Uh, You've done incredibly well for yourself. Uh, You've had a knack for success. I kind of want, in some ways, I want to ask what advice would you give people who have ambition and want to come up in the industry? But the way I'll ask you is, we can gather from the conversation what's made you successful. But now when you look back, what would you tell yourself to do to get even more success? What would you have told a younger you? Three things. Number one, slow down. Number two, listen more. And number three, this is not an order of importance, is to ask more questions. I guess when I was in my 30s, I thought I knew everything. I knew very little, really. So slow down, listen more and ask more questions. 
And if those three things were in somebody's brain uh, and in their mindset, I think they would uh, learn a lot, you know. Okay, well, listen, we'll leave it there. Uh, Paul Fitzsimons, one of the co-owners of Domain Electrical, thanks so much for chatting and sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our first ever Switched On podcast today, brought to you by Domain Electrical, the leading independent Irish-owned supplier, importer and distributor of industrial electrical components in the country. As we've heard with Paul, Domain have been in business for more than 40 years and that long success has been built on not just embracing innovation, but looking after and listening to their staff, along with excellent relationships with their extensive network of customers and partner suppliers. The result is that when you call Domain Electrical, you know that your sales contact there actually knows about the products and can suggest the right solution for any problem that you are trying to solve. If you're looking to deal with professionals who know their stuff and work at a high level, do contact Domain Electrical. The website address is domain.ie or just use the link in the show notes, which you'll find on the phone app or website you're using to listen to us today. Joining us now to talk about future key trends and requirements in the electrical industry is Mark Kyo from Snyder Electrical Ireland, one of the most well-known names in the manufacturing industry. Mark has been with the company for 30 years and as their vice president for buildings and industry business, when he shares information, we tend to sit up and take notice. Mark, how are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you. Excellent. So listen, 30 years, have you been with uh, Snyder all of that time? Um, it's actually 31 years uh, from February 12th this year. So, uh, no, I joined the company called Telemachetic, which is part of the Schneider Electric Group on February 12th, 1990. So I've obviously gone through various different roles. I started off as an application engineer, really looking at automation products, gone through uh, various different roles in marketing, customer support, offer management, sales to through the distribution channel, direct sales into my present role uh, of VP for sales, looking after all of the sales and commercial organization locally. And one of the things that uh, I like about you, Marco, from what I've read is that you're a very forward thinking person and it really is the future that I kind of want to uh, concentrate on because the world is changing rapidly uh, around us at the moment. How do you think the skill sets that are needed in the industry are changing? Yeah, we are probably going through the fourth industrial revolution, as I would call it. Obviously, we started off with with steam and water generating, let's say, our, our industrial devices, moving on to electricity. Then we had computers and other applications modernizing it. But now we're going on to a different level of integrating softwares and probably artificial intelligence to really revolutionize our industry and manufacturing processes, and it's it's commonly known as Industry 4.0. Now, with that in mind, you, you can take on board that there's a lot of skill sets that need to be developed in order to satisfy the need within the industry. And one of my biggest concerns uh, for the industry is to make sure that our people and our people are our best asset, have the skills and knowledge to be able to deliver that, let's say, great ability within our economy and obviously feed then into our foreign and direct investment, which is very important for the country. So upskilling, uh, learning every day is is a passion of mine and has probably been indoctrinated into me through my time in Schneider Electric because Schneider Electric sort of um, values would be to challenge yourself, invest time in learning. And that's sort of what I want to bring to the rest of the industry from my role within the EIFI. So I like to give something back 
to the industry, but make sure that we have deliverables locally to be able to match the needs of industry and generally the country as a whole. Saying that you need to upskill is an easy thing to do um, because generally, you know, you might go to college and you will learn or you'll serve an apprenticeship and you learn that way. But then kind of when you're in the now I'm working phase, it's not quite so easy to, to keep up to date or to upskill. How do you advise people to do that? Yeah, that's a very, very good point, because obviously when people move from college into their, their, their chosen career, if they don't continuously learn, let's say part time or be sponsored within their own company, it's very difficult to progress. And obviously it costs money and we have to have things in place or processes in place to be able to deliver that. And I have been working independently through my work with EIFI through IBEC, and there is a program there called Engineering Skills Net. And it's the ability to help finance companies to enable their staff to get more knowledge about new innovations and new technologies. It is an investment on, the, on behalf of the individual. And it is an investment on behalf of the company involved. But there are processes there, and it's my job to make sure that people are aware of these opportunities to upskill within the industry. Now, you say it's an investment and without a doubt, you know, if you, if you are learning and keeping up to speed, it's good for you and it's good for the company. And investment is not just money. There is an investment in time. Now, with SkillsNet, is it a kind of thing where you've got to study every night for a year or four years or do they do kind of shorter courses? They tailor the courses to suit the needs of the particular industry. Um, they can be part time, block release or formal training over a two year period. It's up to the industry to put forward the training requirements. That's put to the SkillsNet engineering group, put forward as, let's say, looking for funding for the uh, training. Uh, and normally it is approved once it fulfills all the criteria of new innovative training plus new skill sets required by that particular industry. So it depends on what the needs are within that particular company that applies. All right. Uh, SkillsNet Ireland, if you do a Google search, uh, you'll come across them and you'll be able to learn more. Let me change the subject a little bit. Uh, again, kind of looking to the future because, you know, 2020, 2021, we've had COVID, which has changed everything. And then another issue that's kind of on the table is climate change. How do, how do you think these two things are changing the electrical industry? OK, so from from a personal point of view, I know every, lots of people have been working from home. We've all upskilled our, let's say, Teams meetings, our Zoom meetings, new work practices, and perhaps that will become the new norm. Uh, so that's from a personal point of view, and I, and I know a lot of people would be in the same position, and a lot of companies are adopting this new, probably hybrid model. From a, a company's point of view, they've also faced some difficulties with, let's say, remote operations and have seen the need to probably be more digitized. Now, I'll give you an example of that is if you have, let's say, services, you can't go to site because of COVID restrictions, you may have your particular assets on site in jeopardy. So where you need continuity of supply for a particular process, how do you overcome that in a COVID situation where there may be restrictions to access to the site? So more and more of the assets on that site are becoming connected and remotely analyzed. So the skill sets needed to carry out your services activity are changing from a hands-on, maybe to a remote intervention. Similar to working from home, we're all working remotely, interacting 
together, you know. And then coming back to climate change, because one of the things that's on a radar a lot these days is electric vehicles. Yeah, if you think about the responsibilities that the government have as regards climate policy, basically they're looking at a 7% reduction in CO2 gases per year over the next 10 years, 20 years. So that basically results in approximately a 50% reduction in greenhouse gases over a decade. So at the moment, uh, we can see that the fuel of the future is electric and electricity. The government are looking to promote as much renewable energy sources as possible. So we're looking at the wind, photovoltaic, as forms of, of, let's say, new energy sources that do not include fossil fuels. We're also looking at, let's say, interconnectors between, there's an existing interconnector between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland to maintain continuity of the supply of the network. There is a future development of a, an interconnector between France and Ireland to obviously maintain that resilience of our air grid network to make sure that there's proper supply available along with the renewable resources that are being developed. So there is a huge need for new skill sets within renewable sector. Let's say we're looking at offshore wind, onshore wind, let's say battery storage facilities to store that energy so it can be supplied at a time that's needed within industry. We have, let's say, companies themselves taking corporate and social responsibility on board to look at how they're actually consuming energy, uh, how they're actually producing their own carbon footprint and reducing that accordingly. So some of the, let's say, larger data centers are looking at a zero carbon footprint by investing in wind farms or, let's say, having an association with a wind farm so they get renewable resources. So climate change, the investment in climate change, is going to bring new opportunities within the electrical industry for lots of people. However, we need to upskill to match those needs. And again, we're coming back to, say, training needs of people and upskilling for the future. It will happen. It has to happen. But we need to be ready within our own industry to, to deliver the results required. Another area where we're seeing a lot of flux and a lot of change is women coming into the marketplace. But a lot of people would say maybe not enough. Uh, what do you think can be done to encourage more women into the electrical industry? Yeah, I think um, when we look at women in, in, in our industry, our industry has been traditionally been male dominated. And I have myself, True Schneider Electric, engaged with TUD, formerly known as, let's say, the Kevin Street College of Technology, where they have a lot of, let's say, in the first year, a lot of female students in engineering. So after the first year, they've had a dropout rate of about 50%. And I think it's because they feel or they understand that our industry is hard hat, high vis, out in the field, working on sites every day. So it doesn't appeal to them and they change their career path. Whereas, in fact, I have been involved in trying to explain to them that engineering, electrical engineering, is not just hard hat, high vis. It's so many other things. You've got project management, you've got software design, you've got R&D research and development, you've got lots of different new career paths and some career paths that haven't actually been invented yet because we are going on this digital journey and there's a lot of careers that they would actually match their needs going forward. But there is a job of work to be done to educate, let's say, the students of today, especially the female students, to correct that imbalance within our industry. 
and they would have a lot of the skill sets that we need for a lot of the work coming forward. So a job of work to do, and I think it's everybody's responsibility to, to make sure that that happens. A lot of progress has been made. A lot of graduate programs have come into place, a lot of apprenticeship programs, specifically for females within our industry, internships, to give them a taste of what engineering or within the electrical field is actually like and the career possibilities because what we're actually losing them to to, is to other industries and this whole digitization has opened up let's say the different types of jobs that are available to people i have to say it's it is an absolute it's inspiring actually talking to you mark because you know we're going through a lot of change but what we can hear from you is that change brings opportunities and if you keep up to speed and you upskill and you keep yourself uh, uh, trained uh, that the benefits are there for you and the future is is very, very bright. And I'm so glad we got to spend some time with you today. Uh, but for now, we've run out of time, unfortunately. Mark Keo from Snyder Electrical Ireland, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. Pleasure. And if you would like to find out any more about our guests, do follow the links in our show notes. You'll find them in the description of this podcast on your phone or whichever device you're listening to us on. Uh, they include links, contact details and anything else that you might need to get the information that you need. Our podcast today was produced by dustpod.ie for Domain Electrical. And you can find out more about the country's leading independent Irish-owned supplier, importer and distributor of industrial and electrical components at domain.ie. Do join us next time for our second Switched On podcast with Domain Electrical when we'll discover another well-known industry leader who's worked their way up from getting in as a young engineer to becoming managing director. To get that automatically, just click the subscribe or follow button on your player right now. However, that's it for today. For myself, Dusty Rhodes, thanks so much for listening and look forward to joining you again on our next Switched On podcast with Domain Electrical. Take care.